0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Kratom Guy Show. I'm your host, Mike Overstreet, the of Kratom Guy. Welcome back, episode number 12. Super excited about this show. I got so much in store for you guys. We got Paul Kemp. Paul Kemp, one of the original board members of the AKA, on the show. We also got Mac Haddow on the show. And for next show, we got Chris Redding is going to be on the show, activist and advocate from Maryland. He is a retired Army captain, so I got to meet him when I went down to Maryland. Um, I'll get into those preview clips and exactly what I got in store for the show today. But first, a big thank you to all of you for listening. I keep getting uh, phone calls and DMs it's been it's been great i love reading the messages i love connecting with the kratom community and um you know feeling like we're really in this together i know that has become a uh, covid term we'll get into all that soon but uh big thank you to you guys love you guys thank you so much for listening and reaching out um but first i want to tell you guys about our sponsor candid orange flavor kratom These guys have been so great as far as sponsoring and supporting the show. We are so excited and proud to have Candid Flavored Kratom as our first sponsor. So let me tell you guys about Candid. They are revolutionizing the kratom industry, kratom extracts, with their orange-flavored drink. And the reason why I say they're revolutionizing the industry is because, one... The drink just tastes great. It's uh, it's orange-flavored. It comes in this little pouch. Super discreet, easy to use. It was a little sweet, but it's sweetened with stevia, which I like that. And I was able to judge how much, how much I wanted. So I wanted a stronger drink, so I just used a little bit less water, put it in a water bottle, shook it up, and drank that. But I really like that if you wanted less just use more water and then you can sip it throughout the day so if you guys don't see candid orange flavored kratom at your favorite retailer make sure you tell them that you want candid flavored kratom so let's get into those preview clips for this show and next we got paul kemp one of the original founding members of the american kratom association
1: But the average person needs to understand this is something that that can help them. There's many herbs that can help them. But kratom's a good start in getting them away from all these drugs with the side effects and and let them do it with the natural substance. You've got to you know, pick your sources of kratom intelligently, not buy it in gas stations or smoke shops generally. It's a helpful tool. Yeah, and I think we could we could do a lot to change America's health by having more people using this and have it, you know, let's stop wasting money trying to ban it by people that the FDA hasn't even seriously looked at it to see
0: all the benefits. Right. Uh, They've never uh, yeah, my-
1: thought for all the people we've helped save from opioids.
0: And on next show, we got Chris Redding. Um, Chris, it was really great talking and meeting to him, meeting with him, and he actually was able to to show that some of these deaths and the forty four deaths, original original forty four deaths that FDA attributed to kratom were actually not Kratom-caused, but very, very loosely somehow Kratom-related. So uh, really great to talk with Chris.
2: If you look at the overall Kratom community, I mean, my story and my use is kind of just, you know, like I said, an herbal supplement that I use to help me work out. It's not, you know, saving my life, but it's helping my quality of life. But there are thousands, if not millions of people that their life, you know, for of, lack of a better statement, you know, kind of depends on kratom being readily available to them. And you know, we only live one life. If if my quality of life was dependent on kratom use, I mean, I, w- I would fight to the death for it. And I think that's what people are finding, uh, finding out. And this this isn't going to be this is kind of an easy battle to win once we get on the battlefield. Like I said, once we get to the point where well, we can make testimony and get to these legislators, it's an easy win. We just It seems like people don't want to take it to the battlefield. They just want to push a ban in without hearing from us.
0: So, got a great show in store for you guys today. Uh, super excited. Got Mac Haddow. This time, not in a loud hallway in uh, the Rhode Island State House. I-, I reached out to Mac and seriously guys this should this could be a show in of itself a full another episode but I really wanted to get this Paul Kemp interview out as well this interview with Paul Kemp is uh I find this guy incredible he's 70 or 71 years old doesn't go to a doctor exercises every day has great diet great health and he's really just about just helping people get healthier and uh, be stronger and more active and more free thinking Really great to talk to him, and it was one of those interviews where I go back and I'm editing it, and it's just like, wow, we just covered so many topics. So, yeah, I might as well just get into that, what, what we're talking about there. We got into so much, but we we touched on the 4,500 methadone deaths that are attributed annually, Um I talked about the Tennessee Suboxone deaths that I uncovered, some of those bad Suboxone uh, ingredients. Talked about that sugar movie, which is really great on Netflix if you guys haven't seen it. No affiliation, but great film about uh, sugar and what's sugar doing to us. So, we're going to talk about sugar, diet, uh, Big Pharma, control, his local activism, uh, the American Kratom Association, CBD, CBDA, THCA. We get into. Uh, So many different topics, and it was really great. Such a fun interview. So, we got that coming up in store for you later. And Matt Caddo, I I reached out to him, and he was like, Yeah, sure. So, this COVID stuff, you know, I'm talking to some people that uh, a couple shows, in a couple shows, I got the great guest. I'm going to leave it as a surprise, but very influential doctor in the Kratom community. So yeah, I reached out to Mac and I I told him, I was like, hey, would you mind coming on? I'd love to have you back on for a full interview, a little bit more about your your history and how you got into Kratom and your lobbying efforts and all of that. I'm like, but if you wouldn't mind, I, I was looking at my notes and a lot of this stuff for this week's news and current events, it's all coming from Mac and the AKA. So it was really great to talk to him. That interview is about 45 minutes. So there, we we talk about all types of stuff, the uh, kratom and COVID deaths, uh, and how uh, they seem to be very uh, much related. Not that one has the, to do with the other, but more the um, federal and state reaction to basically fudging the numbers. So we get a, l- a little bit into that. Uh, I ask him to clarify his hydrochloricine statement that he put out and then he got so much pushback people on reddit were going fucking crazy for that thing uh how the local feds fda are not relenting at all during this this pandemic action happening in godfrey illinois which it seems like they stopped cascade county montana which i don't think i talked to mac about but uh, i do have a story about that talking about how the 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 leader which i can't think of his name right now. I'll look it up. And Eddie Hawkins, I think, the the sheriff that's leading. He didn't say the name, but he said the leader of the Mississippi uh, coalition to uh, like ban Kratom that he actually admitted to Mac that he's been pushing this information for years. And, and he, he's now seeing a lot of it could be wrong. We're going to talk about the new A.K.A. chair, Matt Salmon, taking over for Dave Herman, the KCAC, the new coalition. If you guys don't know about it, uh, we'll get into that and how you can become a part of it. Basically, getting people from all over the country to stand up, take information packets that the A.K.A. provides and bring it to the legislator if something happens in the area. And also for the federal A.K.A., federal um, KCPA the AKA KCPA, Creating Consumer Protection Act on the federal level, which was very interesting to talk about because it gets into more of it gets into more of basically pushing back on the FDA and getting them to fall in line to the rules that they are sworn to by Congress and how the basically through the FDA's years of rulemaking has usurped a lot of Congress control that they were supposed to have over this stuff. So get into all that and more. We talk about the uh, import alert and how it, it makes people unsafe. He also talks about a medical examiner in Northern Idaho who was pushed by the AKA to change his death report. There was kratom found in the blood, and the FDA kept pushing him to change it to cause, not caused by the other numerous drugs he had in the system, but caused by kratom. So we get into all that and more coming up. So like I said, big thank you to t- to you guys. Without you guys none of this would be possible. So, real big thank you to everybody who calls and contributes and DMs me. I I love I love you guys and I love your messages. So, I'm I'm going to get into actually a message I received, which he said it would be fine to read, but this guy, he says his life was completely changed by Creatum. I'll get into that in just a minute and then we'll get into the other stories. As always, the timeline is in the description and please I hope you stick with me the whole time, but I know it can get a little long, so feel free to jump around to the different sections. You know, the MacHado interview, the Paul Kemp interview. First, we're going to be getting into. I'm going to get into that letter, but first, uh, just a couple things. If you guys don't know, this show is brought to you by Candid. So you guys did hear that that first uh, intro. I told you a little bit about Candid, but you know, can't say enough good things about these these guys. are they're, they're doing. To me, it's companies like this that are saying, yep, we're selling a dietary product and we're doing it right. We're doing it lab tested. I think those are the type of people that are going to be pushing our industry forward that it is a dietary product. Um, so big thanks to Candid. And we are going to be doing a giveaway from Candid. We're going to be giving away some free samples. So stay tuned for that. We got our new YouTube channel. So I, I did record the Macado interview on zoom when i was in florida just got back from florida uh my mother-in-law's helping her out there i do have to move around this office so i can do more video because there's no good space to record video right now because it's all shelving behind me so the the full mac Allo interview zoom zoom interview will be up on my youtube so check that out creative show we got our patreon up we are Really close. We got a lot of information for the Mississippi story that may be taking over next show, but our might just be its own thing. So, uh, if you want to support particular projects on Patreon, you know, five, ten bucks, twenty bucks, hundred bucks, really helps out a lot. We got our online marketplace, Mass Herbal Market. You can find some awesome kratom t-shirts. Still haven't put the phone cases up. I haven't had time to work on them, but uh, we do now have a partnership with Magnum Opus. We got their extracts come in uh, four different flavors, red, white, green, and a blend of uh, all of them. Really great extracts along with their body salve. If you guys haven't tried this, it's really amazing. My friend, guest before, Nick White, I gave him some. He's like, yeah, I used it on my neck when I, he's like, I think I slept on it wrong. And uh, I think I did the same thing, but it was after a workout. And man, my neck was so sore. Both of us used it on our neck and just felt great really relieved some some tension for me and nick said it really helped him so definitely check out those products and yeah i'll get into um get into the, this this twitter message but i also got another phone call from um a guy named ed too i don't remember where uh ed was from but i got a phone call from a guy named ed he's like hey i heard your show and said i could call so i'm calling so um and really, if you want to call uh, 617-917-5242, I'm happy to talk Kratom with you anytime you're looking for some recommendations or you're new or have any questions. Um, I always make the time. I don't know if it'd be right then and there when you call, but give me a call and we'll figure out a time we can talk. It's uh, You're not bothering me. I'm all for it. So anyways, Ed called, and I want to say Ed was from Jersey. But he was in his fifties, and he said he just discovered my show, just discovered kratom. He started taking it. was an opiate addict for years. That he feels so much better, and it's helping him to really get his life back. I just think it's great. I think it's it's really wonderful. Let me let me read what Chad wrote, and then uh, I'm gonna give you guys my takeaway for all this. He said hello. My name is Chad from North Carolina. I just wanted to tell you I thoroughly enjoy your podcast so much. Thank you for spreading the positive word of Kratom and how it saves so many lives. I've been a daily Kratom user for a little over 4 years now. I used to be an opiate addict and an alcoholic and was pronounced dead from a heroin overdose twice. I ran out of money one day, was looking one day and was googling alternatives to kill withdrawals. I went to my local smoke shop and picked up some capsules and I was blown away by the medicinal qualities of this amazing plant. After that day, I never bought any street drugs again and eventually stopped caring about drinking. I found a quality online vendor and never looked back. I am now a successful man and about to take over the family business that my dad told me I would never be a part of when I was using. It has reinstated the trust with my friends and, more importantly, my family. I honestly owe my life to Kratom and am so thankful for people like you spreading truth and knowledge. Thank you again and can't wait to listen to the next podcast. We went back and forth a couple messages. Like I said, I'm always happy to chat Kratom and asked him if I could read that on my next show. He said it would absolutely be fine and an honor for you to read my message. If it helps just one person think about maybe giving Kratom a try to help themselves get away from the dangerous chemicals, that would be amazing. It has helped me so much. I just want to, just want others to know it can be done and this plant has the ability to truly help. Thank you for your time and your work mike so that was chad from north carolina and i love these messages but uh a few takeaways from these is one it's not kratom you know kratom is a great tool it's a great harm reduction tool can be a mood booster or for me it helps uh with my back and hip pain but it's you you know it's 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 chad it's ed it's it's the people that are consuming it it's you guys that are doing it i know a lot of people say kratom saved my life no you did that and one of the main takeaways i get from this is that it's about control it's about people taking control over their own lives again i don't know how many of you have been stuck either on Opiates are some form of medication that you are just sick of and you don't want to take anymore. And like for me, it was Suboxone that really started hurting me, really started taking away my emotions. And what I realized when I didn't have to go to the doctor every month didn't have to pay out all this money didn't have to worry about insurance and making the doctor's appointments and taking off work because the the suboxone doctors only open certain days a week and you gotta still get there a fucking hour early and wait uh, an an additional hour so you're there for like two two and a half hours and all it is is a 15 minute appointment to say "Um, how you doing yeah any cravings do you want to get off okay, see you next time, 250 bucks. 150 bucks. you know, and then, God forbid, you want to go to vacation, go to vacation early, or, like, me, due to my work schedule, working so late at night, I, I know that I had, like, a couple of days where I was going to be working late the next couple of days, so on my way home, try to pick up my script, and, like, nope, sorry, can't do it, look at me like I'm a fucking junkie because it's a controlled substance, even though... The medication is to get off of the even worse narcotics. So I'm just happy that that's done. And, you know, if you want to stop your medication, you want to give Kratom a try, give medical cannabis a try, please do it. Consult a physician and go for it. You know, this, this is helping so many people. And for me, it's regaining control over your own life. So again, I I really love receiving those messages. So um, please don't, I say it every time, you don't need to buy Kratom from me. I don't want anything from you. If you'd like to talk Kratom, you need some advice, like to talk to someone who's been through it, please give me a call. I can connect you with, with many other people. If you're a family member who's someone struggling with opiate addiction or um, stuck on Suboxone or Methadone, I am happy to talk to you as well. I'm happy to talk to you as uh, as a couple or as you know your son, your daughter, your, your parents. I think we can help each other a lot more together than we can separate. And we're in the midst of COVID. I don't know what you guys think about this, but I get into it with that. With, uh, uh, with Mac, I think there's a lot of shit being pulled here. So yeah, I, I guess I can get into uh, kind of what I got going on, and then I'll give you a business update, and then we'll get into Mac Haddow and Paul Kemp. I got a lot of pushback from uh, a couple of people online about saying that what's up with these COVID numbers, they look really fucked up like the uh, Kratom-related deaths. You're having COVID deaths that the government is coming out and admitting that they are... Assumed or presumed, yeah, people who are dying in hospice, people with cancer patients with weeks left to live, they die, then found with COVID antibodies in their system, they're being labeled a COVID death. The hospitals are getting something like $13,000 for every COVID patient, and then I think it's $39,000 for every um, ventilator they're put on. Got this one doctor out of Texas saying is saying uh, hydrochloroquine is clearing up her patients and now you can't even get the shit. So I don't know what the fuck's happening, but I do know with bills like 6666, you can't make that shit up. It looks like they want to trace and database every fucking thing. And with the real ID, this could easily turn into, I'm not saying it's going to, or but why give the so-called leaders or authorities even more authority to take away your rights because um could easily turn into real ID where you have to be, you have to, you know, myself, I'm Jewish, I'll have to wear my uh, my, my my yellow Starved David on my chest that says not vaccinated, not tested, and then I won't be able to go into places. You know, it's all going to be connected to your, to your real ID. It's got the microchip on it, the uh, RFID chip. And uh, I could easily see this happening. And then they're talking about in Washington, talking about removing people from the home who needs to be uh, quarantined or isolated. I don't trust any of it. Like I say, I got a healthy, distrust of government. So um, just look out for yourself. Look out for your neighbor. And what I've been concentrating on is not necessarily being so afraid of covid is boosting the immune system i want to concentrate on becoming well becoming healthy and strong recently got back from florida we were helping out my mother-in-law you know i was trying to work out there we did uh doing some yoga did uh, a couple um, group exercises online little group workouts I threw out my back actually before I left back from Florida and we drove back here. So I was hurting for a few days, just not feeling good. Sciatic, like nerve pain on my left side, like all the way from my back, all the way down my leg. So, yeah, just trying to just trying to take care, take care of ourselves, eating healthy, eating organic, trying to limit the sweets. I know it's hard when you're stuck inside, but um, get outside, get fresh air, get sunlight, boost the immune system, drinking lots of, lots of green tea going for walks you know i got the dog so i gotta gotta take him on a walk but get outside go fucking hug your neighbor <laughs> so yeah we were down in florida now we're back so it was hard to get work done but really i knew i was going down there to help out my mother-in-law she's getting ready for a knee surgery so yeah i just hope everyone's doing well during this covid it seems like the vast majority of people that are getting it have serious serious underlining health conditions And there's something like over like 85, at least in Massachusetts, that the vast majority of people that are dying from this are uh, underlining health conditions and or over, I forget what it is, 83 or 85. So, you know, I don't know. Just stay, uh, stay vigilant, stay aware. So that's really what I got going on. Personally, as far as business, uh, we were really close to closing a deal, uh, reaching a partnership agreement. We pretty much had it all laid out with a AKA GMP qualified shop to start selling their Kratom on Mass Herbal Market. And due to COVID, their Mm co-packer has been shut down indefinitely. So maybe June, but we're we're currently in talks with uh, a couple other places to start selling their Kratom. And I, I just I just keep thinking about you know I, I come from a culinary and catering background and uh, just all the people that are affected by this you know it's not just the chefs and the prep chefs and the the baker and the the servers and the bartenders and the barbacks but it's everyone else you don't see it's the it's the cleaners it's the the salespeople you know the operations managers that that you wouldn't necessarily see that, that are that are running the companies and then you have all the people that are delivering the food servicing the equipment. You know, there there's so many people at at a at a work due to this. So, I really hope you're getting by. We we all just have to adjust and and, and adapt. You know, we we got that deal with Magnum Opus uh selling their salmon extract, so that's been going really well. Uh the t-shirts, we got a couple new t-shirt designs in the works, and uh if you have not noticed new Creatum Guy logo from uh, Amanda Prather up in Salem. So, uh yeah, I'm back in Massachusetts. That's really all I got going on. Uh, stay tuned to figure out how to win some, or I should say receive some Kratom samples, because uh, it's not a contest. Um, we're just giving it away. So uh, yeah, let's get into the Mac Hato interview. And this would be a good time for a small disclaimer that neither myself nor any of my guests are medical professionals. Nothing we say should be considered medical advice and you should always seek the advice of a physician or medical professional before taking anything. Any copyrighted material is used under fair use for education or criticism. Enjoy the show. This week on the show, very special guest, Mac Haddow, Senior Fellow on Public Policy from the American Creative Association. Mac, thank you so much for taking the time.
3: I'm glad to be here with you.
0: I was going through this week's, uh, this week's notes and I realized that the majority of the stories I wanted to cover were actually coming from you and the AKA. Really, really appreciate you, uh, you taking time to, to join us and kind of clarify some of these, uh, some of these points. First, there's lots of talk about Kratom and COVID and it's even come out that some people are claiming that Kratom somehow can help or cure. COVID? Do you want to set the record straight with that?
3: Sure, and and thank you for asking that question because anytime that there is a, uh, a pandemic like we're experiencing now, people are looking for alternatives or options for treatment. We all would love to see that there's a silver bullet that uh, solves these problems. The issue about kratom and its alkaloids and the potential beneficial impact they may have with uh, the coronavirus was really a derivative of a comment made by a professor at a university in Pontianak, Indonesia, and he correctly pointed out that there are some studies that show that some of the alkaloids and the plant activity that occurs could be an inhibitor of some elements of the virus, but that was misinterpreted widely by some to say, oh, well, that means that uh, we can take kratom and it will uh, either uh, prevent the coronavirus or it can alleviate its symptoms. While there may be a possibility that that happens uh, in terms of alleviating symptoms, there is no evidence that that's the, the, the fact. We know that Kratom itself has some uh, pain relieving qualities and so that might help to uh, you know, alleviate some of the symptomatic responses to COVID that are pain related, but it's not gonna reduce the inflammation in the lungs, it's not gonna create any kind of a cure Uh, for uh, the COVID virus and I encourage people to stay away from those kinds of claims because what they do Is paint a target on the back of kratom advocates and saying, you know, we're just not we're doing things that aren't grounded well in science Uh, Mm -hmm. We think that science should should be the driver behind all kratom policy And there's just not sufficient science that it deals with the coronavirus at this point to make those claims
0: Thank you for that so I got some pushback about this for bringing up the two together and I guess this is kind of two parts cause you also got a lot of pushback online for the statement about hydrochloroquine and I, I don't want to say what you actually meant by that. So I, I figured I let you get into that. Um, but to me, it just seemed like you were, you, you were saying that it's, it's like, just kind of comparing it to what the president said, that it's worth a try, not that one has to do with the other exactly. Can you clarify
3: that? I'm glad to. The policy that I was talking about is that the FDA uh, is actually being hypocritical uh, when it says that they're all about good public policy. And here, in the case of the COVID-19 virus outbreak, where the president of the United States relying upon some of the advice that he had gotten from uh, some of the, his advisors, including some very reputable health advisors who saw that there was a potential benefit from hydrochloroquine. And the president said, and he correctly said it, that if, if, the, if there's no other option available and there is a potential therapeutic benefit here, why wouldn't we give people the right to try these medications? Uh, and, and my point to that was that to the extent that the president was moving the FDA into the right space in terms of allowing individual Americans to make choices about their health and well-being. That also ought to be consistently applied to create them into the extent that we have this crisis that is running parallel and actually was there before the coronavirus, but now today runs parallel in terms of it being a crisis, is the opioid uh, crisis that we're facing. And why wouldn't we allow Americans who are struggling with opioid addiction to have the opportunity to use something that has been, been shown in numerous studies to uh, actually relieve the symptoms of opioid uh, abuse if you take Kratom and, and the animal studies that were done by the National Institutes on Drug Abuse, both documented not only was there was no addiction liability, which was important from a public policy perspective with the scheduling criteria that's required for the Controlled Substances Act, but more importantly, they actually showed that there was, with the use of Kratom with the test animals, a reduction in the craving for morphine, which was the reference drug they were using. And that's what prompted the NIDA, the National Institute on Drug Abuse, to now put more than $30 million in studies on Kratom out into the field. Because they wanted to know, why wouldn't the FDA say to a person who's addicted to opioids, who is in the most dangerous addiction pathway known to man and potentially deadly opioid abuse, why wouldn't we let people use a safe alternative that is not dangerously addictive, that doesn't kill anyone, doesn't have the uh, respiratory suppression effects that opioids do, but provide for a viable pain relief for acute and chronic pain? Why wouldn't we do it? So our point to the president was, direct the FDA to do be consistent that when they provide for these emergency use authorizations, allow for kratom to be used by people who are trapped in opioid addiction.
0: Right. So you you, you weren't saying that hydrochloroquine was going to cure COVID or that was the way out or anything like that. Is that right?
3: No. I have I, no. I don't have any idea whether or not the debate that's currently ongoing is valid one way or the other. The point was the policy that the president properly invoked. Uh, saying that if you have no other option, why wouldn't you allow a person to to have the right to try? And of course, this is derivative of the right to try legislation that is currently enacted into law today, which the FDA hates, by the way, because it it takes an unapproved drug and lets people use it. But we're talking about people who are uh, in life-threatening and and end-of-life situations where a a experimental drug might be helpful to them. So that policy has already been uh, put into place. But when I was uh, at the Department of Health and Human Services in the early 80s and we confronted the HIV epidemic and and the outbreak of HIV, when it first hit the United States, we had no idea what we were dealing with. We actually had to fight the FDA. I mean, go to -to hand-to-hand combat to get them to allow people to enter a clinical trial with the cocktail that that was showing great promise. Remember, HIV was a death sentence. And there was all of this research going on, and we identified a cocktail that was showing great promise, had not yet run the course of the clinical trial, and typically you have 20 to 30 people in those trials. We had at the time of approval, over the FDA's staunch objections, over 4,000 people in that trial. So it tells you that that the FDA is, it, it traditionally been the obstructionist in these kinds of situations. And it's disappointing that they're doing it today with Kratom and that's what we were trying to address. I, I have no idea whether the uh, hydrochloroquine is gonna be effective or not. There's there's science on both sides of that or opinions on both sides. The science seems to be moving to say that uh, in, in, in depending on the, the point of intervention in the course of the COVID-19 virus, that it may be helpful to alleviate some of the symptoms and speed up the recovery of people that are afflicted with it
0: all right um, yeah because i was that's how i pretty much took it but it seemed like a lot of people were you know taking it as the, the latter right. <laughs> so i just wanted to get clarification and i even got some pushback and i'm sure you've experienced it too when i brought out the fact of these related deaths and the white house just came out and said that other countries aren't doing it but the u.s is doing it counting flu, pneumonia, even if hospice patients are are in hospice, have two weeks to live and they die, if any of those people are found with antibodies, they're being called related, COVID-related or COVID-caused or assumed or presumed. So I brought up the fact that it's very similar to what they're doing with kratom-related, and I got a lot of pushback on that. Have you experienced that?
3: Uh, Sure. I mean, this is a natural outgrowth of a discussion that's been ongoing for a long time. Uh, we know that the FDA initially came out in 2016 and they were characterizing deaths that, where there was kratom detected in the bloodstream of a decedent as a kratom-caused death. That was, uh, of course, the first big uh, example they used was the Swedish deaths of nine people dying in a 12-month period in 2009 from the ingestion of a powdered kratom product called Krypton, which was sold on the internet at that time. Uh, And of course, that got the attention of a a cluster of patients in that short time period from a single product, every public health official in the world. And that led to a lot of preconceived notions about the safety of Kratom, which were discredited two years later when a group of scientists completed their review of all nine of those deaths. And what they found was that the deaths were actually caused by the uh, dose of O-desmethyltramidol that was added as an adulterant to the Krypton product. So people didn't die from Kratom, they died from Odesmethyltramadol. And the most important finding was that if you took the same level or the dose level of Odesmethyltramadol and you put it into a cup of coffee or a glass of orange juice in the morning, that consumer would be dead within minutes. So it's not surprising that an adulterated form of Kratom killed people, but it wasn't Kratom. So the FDA got caught. When we started to analyze and after we foia the, the, under the Freedom of Information Act, the d- death data and the talk screens and the autopsies, they then changed the characterization to kratom-associated deaths. Well, that's a fun term, isn't it? So what they now report is that anytime there is kratom detected in the bloodstream of a decedent, and by the way, given the scientific findings, and the, uh, the survey work that was done most recently by uh, Dr. Garcia at Johns Hopkins, they found that that uh, of the total universe of Kratom consumers, that there is a, about a third of them. So we have as many as 5 million people in the United States who are using Kratom as a way to reduce their opioid use. So if you die from an overdose and you are in that, uh, in that effort trying to reduce your opioid use and you're taking Kratom, it would not be surprising to know that there is Kratom in the bloodstream that was detected in the in the uh, tox screen. So the correct way to characterize those deaths is kratom detected, not caused and not associated because association implies that somehow it, it helped to contribute to the, the death when in fact, an overdose death may be an individual who is trying to get off of deadly opioids and they just weren't successful in the course of, uh, of their lives. Now we know and this was a stunning uh, thing that happened. We got a call from a medical examiner in Northern Idaho who told us that he had had a drug overdose that he had uh, certified as a uh, drug-caused death. Uh, and he submitted the autopsy report and he got a call from the Food and Drug Administration. And they said, we want you to change the cause of death to a Kratom death. And he said, why? And they said, well, y- your talk screen shows the Kratom was detected. And the doctor said, yes, but it had nothing to do with the death. And they said, well, we want you to change it to a kratom death because that's the proper characterization. And he objected. He called us to tell us that that intense pressure continued until he finally hung up on them and told them, I'm not interested. Uh, If that's happening in the United States today, and clearly the experience of this medical examiner shows that it is, and the FDA is trying to promote and enhance the number of kratom associated, associated deaths in their determination, It is not surprising that they are now doing the same thing with COVID-19 deaths, right? And we know that this is an imprecise science, but there there are some incentives, perverse incentives, that are now part of the reimbursement scheme under the CARES Act, where if you have a COVID-caused death, that you get a greater reimbursement if you're a hospital administrator where that death occurred. And so it's not surprising to me that they've got a lot of those uh, deaths that are now being checked the box that it died while COVID was... uh, uh, obviously a concern. And if you are already immuno, immunocompromised or you have a comorbidity, and I had a report uh, just this weekend where an individual uh, had been in a, a uh, hospice, uh, had had uh, colon cancer for, I think it was colon cancer for a year and a half, and finally died. And they they said that it was a Kratom, or I'm sorry, a, a COVID-19 caused death. I mean, that's just silliness. Uh, we know that it was the cancer that killed that individual. So this is this is gamesmanship uh, that the FDA is playing, and uh, it's it's disappointing. It doesn't yield good public policy, and I think it technically violates the law of the Information Quality Act, which requires all federal agencies to accurately report information from which they know that a major public policy might uh, might result. So when they're reporting kratom associated deaths in order to support the FDA's notion that kratom should be scheduled, that's technically illegal. Uh, now, you know, we can't find anyone um, in the government that's willing to take that. We've appealed it to the HHS department, and they've been silent for over a year in our request. But this is the way government works. They play games, and it's unfortunate because it doesn't yield good public policy.
0: Yeah, I thought I thought it was a, a good analogy I was making. I was surprised that I was getting pushback on that because, like you said, they're getting. I think it's like something like twelve twelve thousand dollars per COVID patient, thirty thousand dollars if someone's put on a ventilator. Uh, so it seems like a big conflict of interest. That's very similar to what's happening with kratom.
3: Well, you see, doctors are now reporting that they've been told to do it and that kind of thing. And and you know, most doctors, and and I, in fact, I, not most, the vast majority of doctors aren't interested in doing anything but reporting what's accurate. But they get a an administrator or they get a, a someone that is the bean counter in their operation that says, hey, if we characterize this death as a COVID-19 death, we make money, then yeah, you can see the perverse incentives that are built into that system.
0: Yeah, it's pretty unreal. So recently you guys, I signed it, I passed it on, a new petition out to Trump. And a lot of people pointed out that the previous petition that we had was like 130,000 people. I was glad to see that some people signed this, thousands of people, but it was only 13,000 people, um, which leads me to, I think, I I don't know what's going on with the advocacy and Kratom community, but like you guys pointed out in your webinar, the feds aren't relenting, the local authorities aren't relenting that want to ban this. Can we talk about some of that? Like, I know there was something going on in Illinois, Mississippi just passed another ordinance, uh, a town in Mississippi, and the FDA is, like you guys mentioned, they have a whole team designated to just create them when really it seems like they should be worried about COVID and other
3: things. Yeah, you think so. So, here, the, the situation that we confront uh, with that particular petition, we got over 13,600 signatures. Which was actually fantastic in the short time frame that we allowed for it. When the Federal Register notice was published on August the 30th of 2016, which called for the scheduling of kratom uh, within a 30-day period, there were 6,000 people who actually responded with comments. It, it was not an official comment period, but it was something that the AKA promoted, and so we got 6,000. So this is just to put it in the context. And when the DEA withdrew its Federal Register notice on um, October 13th of 2016 they actually opened up a formal comment period that ran from October the 14th to December 1st there were 20, uh, 23,232 comments that were made in that uh, three and a half month, three month period so uh, I don't think that we did badly at all when we got uh, over thirteen five or thirteen thousand six hundred in a three three and a half day period that was fantastic wow. now uh, to put this in the now, the 130,000 number actually came from a petition uh, that the White House has, where you can sign up for a petition, and uh, we've never been able to get a uh, a FOIA download because they protected it for some reason. Of those, I don't know how many were duplicates, but that was a that was a great outpouring of support for Kratom at the time. Uh, I think today, and on the AKA's list, we have well over 100,000 people who are, are supporters of the Kratom community. Uh, they're, they're they're not always going to respond when we ask them to there might be lots of conflicts in their lives and there is in reality some fatigue associated with always having to fight these battles and and as you correctly pointed out we're seeing activity which has gone from the state level and we've fought hand-to-hand combat at the, with the states I mean we every time I went to a state and said you should you should reject the ban that's been proposed always behind it was a legislator who said, well, I was just reacting to information I got from a public health official in our state who got the information from the FDA. Uh, and so we can, we can always, from an epidemiological advocacy standpoint, trace it right back to the villain, which is the FDA. Uh, they've changed their tactics. They see that we're winning in the states because once we have the opportunity to lay in front of a state legislator the science, we win. And proof positive of that is in this last uh, couple of months, we saw the state of Hawaii had a ban proposal, and we beat that back. In South Dakota, they had a ban proposal. We won there. In Maryland, we won, and they converted it to an age age restriction. And looking at the Kratom Consumer Protection Act in New Hampshire, the ban was complete, and you were there for that one. It was completely replaced with the, uh, the uh, KCPA, passed the Senate unanimously. We're hoping that the House will take it up here shortly when they reconvene. Uh, we see time after time these bans. In Mississippi, there were three bans proposed, uh, and we defeated all of them. And on the Senate sponsor, Senator Younger, uh, his ban bill was replaced by the Senate Drug Policy Committee unanimously with the uh, KCPA. Uh, now, the the uh, opponents came swooping in, and they stopped it from actually being voted on in the Senate, and then the COVID thing hit. Uh, so, But we're gonna continue our battle there. So what the FDA has done is they've now gone to local communities because they have great power. If you're sitting there as a city councilman or a, uh, there's a, there's a, uh, a ban proposal today in a little township in Illinois, uh, in Godfrey, Illinois, that we've weighed in on, uh, everything goes back to a law enforcement officer who says, oh, I've heard from my association, who heard from the FDA that this is a dangerous drug and we need to get it off the streets. Uh, or they, uh, they've heard from the Medical Association. Mississippi is a hotbed for this kind of disinformation, all of which is derivative of the FDA's campaign against Kratom. I spoke to the leader of, that, uh, of the Mississippi Drug Policy Group, and, and he said to me, I have been spreading this information for three years, and it looks to me like a lot of what I'm saying may not be accurate, and oh, he shit. took the information. Well, they, he's right. It is not yeah. accurate, uh, and and yet they believed it. Uh, so we we understand the problem now. It it calls into the question: How can we effectively uh, motivate kratom advocates at this level uh, in order to uh, to successfully push back? We're trying to to adapt our advocacy system to be able to react to those local. Uh, situations. And we're doing our very best to do it. It's an expensive process. Uh, we can't put a lobbyist in on the ground in every one of those states. So we're developing now an advocacy network uh, that will drill down to the congressional district level and then be able to address local communities when they have these bans come up. We're going to give them a toolkit that is, uh, that is designed for an average citizen to walk in and lay in front of uh, some township official, or a city councilman, or a county supervisor, and tell them the truth uh, about kratom. So uh, that's all we can do. I mean, it's it's a battle at every at every turn because the FDA has an army of people that are dedicated to promoting their disinformation campaign.
0: I volunteered for what's being called the KCAC, the the new coalition for Massachusetts, to be a district captain. So is is this uh, is this being preemptive, or is this when bands come in the area? You know, you already know when people step up in the area, or is this all in preparations for a federal KCP, KCPA?
3: It's all of the above. We we want to have the capacity to respond in a local area. We want to react to what's already happened. There there are communities who ban Kratom that appropriately should have put an age restriction on, and there was no reason to ban it. So we wanna go back and try to unwind those. We wanna stop those communities that are thinking about uh, Kratom to at least let them see the science that's behind it. Uh, And we actually want to have at the state level, uh, organizations that would feed advocacy messages into the state legislatures. But the the big uh, kahuna for us is a federal Kratom Consumer Protection Act. And we're close to getting final agreement on the language. It's a very technical issue because what we're asking the Congress to do actually overturn decades of FDA policy. Uh, We have allowed the FDA under current law to have complete autonomy in this area. And the fact is, if they looked at it, if the Congress looked at it properly, the FDA has usurped over time a lot of the congressional authority just by rulemaking. And what we wanna do is unwind that. And we want to say that when, w- with respect to kratom, and a perfect example, one of the provisions of the Federal Kratom Consumer Protection Act is to lift the import alert and then require, put the burden of proof on the FDA on any individual shipment of kratom that comes into the United States. If they want to interdict it and seize it, they have to document exactly what the deficiency is. And it can't be this broad, oh, kratom's an, adult, uh, an unapproved drug. It's got to show the contaminant, It's got to show the adulterant and they've got to document it. And if we want to challenge it in court, we'll be able to do so. Now that's a dramatic change from what the FDA has been doing with, with import alerts, but it's what the Congress intended from the start. It was never intended to give the FDA this broad authority to say on a substance like Kratom that they could ban everything. It was designed to interdict only those bad actors for which there was a contaminant or an adulterant that entered into the uh, export channel. And that's what it was designed to do. So we're going to force the FDA back to that position. Uh, We also are going to withdraw from the uh, FDA the authority to restrict Kratom products and force them into that pipeline of the new dietary ingredient process, which they have used to stop all Kratom products. And they don't do it because of the lack of merit of the application, because there have been several applications that have been submitted that meet every standard and should have been approved. But the FDA uh, Office of Dietary Supplements has acknowledged privately that they will never approve a Kratom product under an NDI, New Dietary Ingredient Application, because the front office is opposed to it. That makes no sense. That's a public policy, not a scientific decision, and we need to make sure the public policy is aligned with the best thing for consumers. So we're going to have a big, big effort with the Federal Kratom Consumer Protection Act, which we hope will be, this coronavirus has messed this up because it slowed down everything, but uh, as soon as we get free of that, we're going to have this bill filed, and we want this new organization to contact their congressional leaders and their, their U.S. senators and, and push them to become uh, co-sponsors of this legislation because it's the right public policy, just like we're seeing done in the states with the and Consumer Protection Act there.
0: I think that's really major because mainly with that import alert, I mean, you know, it'd be great for protection all throughout the United States, but a lot of people don't realize how much that import alert hurts the industry and puts people at risk because nobody can import it with it being for human consumption. And then if the FDA catches them selling it for human consumption, that means they can't put any, any warning labels on it, any type of dosage, anything like that. So like there's even, you know, I think a lawsuit out of Pennsylvania going on with that's what they claim. They said, well, there's no warning label, no dosage, and it's all because of the FDA.
3: Dead right. And, and the problem is that people end up dead because of it. And we've got to put controls in with a reasonable regulatory scheme to prevent adulteration and contamination of Kratom products. A consumer ought to have great confidence that when they buy a product that it has been well manufactured under GMP standards, they ought to be able to see on the label exactly what's in that product. They may be allergic to some of the ingredients in it that are used in the production of a product, not kratom itself. Uh, people have a right to, to have those kinds of disclosures made, and the FDA's current policy hurts people. It is the re- Their policy results in more people dying And that's why we say consistently that the FDA is wrong on the science and they're wrong on the policy. And it's simply got to get corrected.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Two more things. The, uh, looks like Dave Herman is out and Matt Salmon is in for the, uh, (laughs) the the, the new, the new chairman. Do you guys, you guys kick Dave out?
3: (laughs) No, uh, Dave, Dave is, is a great man. And, uh, and he stepped in uh, to lead the AKA at a critical time in the development of AKA as an advocacy organization. Uh, the prior leadership was were passionate, dedicated people. Uh, they didn't have the, the kind of experience in the business world that was necessary to manage a fast growing organization. And AKA was growing from, from a couple of dozen people into hundreds of thousands of advocates. Uh, we needed someone with that expertise. And Dave's experience in the business world uh, was invaluable to, to bringing a process and controls financially on the organization so that when we spent money, it was done with a powerful impact on furthering our objectives. Uh, his decision, and it was his decision to leave and step down was driven by a couple of factors. The coronavirus uh, impacted him uh, in interesting ways he He has a uh, a prior uh, operation where part of his lung was removed, so he is seriously okay. immunodepressed and He felt badly that there were a couple of occasions where we needed him to go to uh, some location, and he deferred doing it uh, because of his health condition uh, around this corona thing, which was perfectly legitimate, right? But he still felt badly about it, which he shouldn't have done, uh, because he wasn't able to do it. He has a daughter who uh, teaches English, and she and her uh, husband were over in China when in the Wuhan region when this broke out, and she was managed to get out but it was a reality check for him. He said, you know, I, I've i got these things in my life. He's 73 years old. He retired from his business career uh, a number of years ago, and he just felt like there are a couple of things on his bucket list that he wanted to address uh, that were a pretty high priority from a family perspective that the AKA's demands were getting in the way of. So that was a practical decision. Uh, we understood it uh, and honored it. Uh, he's doing some things now that, uh, that he is furthering those those objectives that he has with his family. Uh, But I can tell you he's as strong a supporter of AKA as he was uh, a month ago. Uh, He's going to continue to be that strong supporter and has volunteered to help us whenever we need him. Uh, So that that's uh, his leaving was a voluntary act. It was really a selfless act on his part because he didn't feel like he could provide the kind of support that was essential to moving the, the needle as we go forward in these public policy debates. Uh, Former Congressman Matt Salmon is a veteran of the Kratom Wars. Uh, We are very fortunate that he was willing to accept this call uh, to come in as the the new AKA chairman. He was one of the leaders in 2016 when he served in the Congress uh, in getting the 51 members of Congress to sign that letter. And many of the U.S. senators of the 13 who signed it over there, all within a 30-day period, uh, and actually had less time to gather the signatures, but it was a 30 day window that we had before they would have enacted the final ban on that uh, on that uh, proposed regulation and and he was a warrior for us, and he understands it, he believes in it, uh, so he 's a great addition to us, and his network of contacts uh, both in the Congress today and internationally uh, is is uh, without peer. Uh, he traveled with us on our first delegation trip to Indonesia. Uh, he opened doors that could not have been opened but for his presence there because of his contacts in the international community, where he had served while he was in the Congress as chairman of the Asia Pacific Subcommittee on the Foreign Relations Committee. So we are, we are beyond fortunate to have found someone who has these kinds of capabilities and the willingness to serve uh, when Dave decided to, uh, to, to step down from the position. So we're very fortunate in the current position we're in.
0: Nice, yeah, I think that's great with uh, previous uh, Congressman. So uh, before we go, what should people do to help?
3: Well, it, there there are a couple of things. Uh, one is, and, and I know we get a lot of blowback about this, we rattle the tin cup, right? We need money in order to continue to fight the FDA. Uh, we're gonna start a couple of important initiatives. Uh, one is that we recognize that there is a, uh, a knowledge gap with many people about what Kratom is. When I was at the, uh, the San Diego County, Uh, hearing of the Board of Supervisors there. And by the way, that was important to us because there are 3 million people that reside in that county, which is larger than some of the states that we work in. It was also important because it was the bellwether of whether we were going to see an erosion of Kratom support in the state of California, which we could not afford. Uh, One of the supervisors said she had never heard of Kratom the week before, uh, until a week before. And that she didn't know anything about an American Kratom Association, and she thought the Kratom was a rap song or some through a funny narrative about it. Well, we confront that, right? What is Kratom? Many people, many public policy makers don't know what it is. So we're going to do a major campaign to educate people with paid television advertisements supported with a very broad based um, uh, social media platform. Those are expensive projects to do. Uh, we're, we're expecting that it's going to be several million dollars to do in the target states where we want to do these ads, and we've, we've produced two, the thirds on its way we will have a total of probably six or seven when we're done, uh, expensive to produce, but they are fabulous ads, absolutely fabulous, and uh, and it will introduce Kratom to people that wouldn't know what it is, and it will tell some of the powerful stories of uh, some Kratom consumers about how it saved their lives. It's changed their lives for the positive. And so, that's one thing we're doing. Uh, we're stepping up our organizational capacity with the uh, the advisory council that you referenced earlier that you're a part of now, and we hope everyone will join in and become that. Uh, that's expensive to do too, because it requires a lot of staff support, training and that kind of thing, dissemination of information. Uh, we are gonna continue uh, as soon as the COVID virus is done uh, and allows travel. We're gonna get back on the road and and being able to have the travel expenses of of myself of other lobbyists of other members of, of the aka staff uh the dr jack Henningfield, where we pay both his travel and his time expenses uh when we get someone an advocate like uh a congressman or I'm, I'm sorry uh, representative vernon jones out of georgia or senator bramble out of utah to get mm-hmm. them to tell their fellow legislators what the story is about kratom those those create expenses so we need financial support and that's that's obviously uh Uh, difficult to ask people to do, particularly in these circumstances where many people are unemployed. uh, Many people are struggling financially. Uh, We can't afford to let our guard down because there's one thing that's true at the FDA. They're not laying anybody off and they're working every day, whether they're doing it remotely, but they're getting paid to do it. And you correctly said there is a team of people that's assigned to create them. And and you'd think, well, why wouldn't they be all 100% focused on COVID? Well, the truth is the FDA's organizational structure are these big silos, and they have people that do work on these pandemic issues, but of the broad number of people that work, the thousands of people that work at the FDA, many of them are appropriately engaged in protecting our food supply and protecting, in evaluating new drug applications. But there is a group of people, there are a group of people out at the FDA who are dedicated to one thing, and that is to eradicate kratom from the consumer uh, public access to the to the consumers and that's who we're fighting and they haven't given up a bit when you see uh what's happening today uh this afternoon in godfrey illinois it it's proof positive that the fda is not letting up and we see other examples of that happening all the time so we just got to keep up the uh, the fight and we hope people be as generous as they can in this interim period uh we're going to have a fundraising uh appeal going out here in the in the next uh Couple of days, I get it. People get frustrated with that, and we have some critics who will say, "Oh, you're never going to see another dollar from me. Uh, You, you, I'm not going to support the AK anymore. All they do are they're a bunch of money grubbers. They're always asking for money, and this is a money pit." And on and on and on. Now, we have taken some of those more vocal uh, critics, and we've tested whether or not uh, you know what's the impact going to be if they do withdraw their financial support, and we found that with almost without exception. None of them give them more than more than some haven't given a dime ever. Some have not given more than $10 over the last six years that tells you something about their level of support. Right? So, so we're, I think what happens there, people just like to spout off. They like to get a bully pulpit. They like to just, you know, declare that they're opposed to something and they overstate, uh, what their qualifications or, or platform should be. Uh, we hope that people will ignore that kind of thing. Uh, it comes with the territory. They're going to be, there's going to be criticism. You have expressed how you've received some of it in your show. Uh, we're going to continue to have those internal fights. We hope that they'll be minimal, uh, but we're going to continue our battle. We're not going to get distracted, and we're going to continue fighting this battle to make sure that c- the consumers in the United States have access to safe, unadulterated Kratom products, and that can only happen if we keep it legal, and we make sure that when it is sold that it's sold from uh, manufacturers who observe good manufacturing practices and who label their products uh, correctly and uh, to have appropriate restrictions on age so that parents can participate in those decisions about whether their children use Kratom products. And that's our goal and we're gonna continue to fight for it.
0: Great, Mac, well, thank you so much. Thank you for everything you do and thanks for coming on and I hope to
3: talk to you again soon. Great, my pleasure and keep up the good work. We appreciate what you do.
0: All right, thanks, Mac. All right, bye-bye. Big thanks to Mac for coming on and doing that interview. Um, had a great time talking to him, and some got some really great info out. So, I ho- so I hope you guys get something from that. Um, so we do got the Paul Kemp interview coming up, and. If you've stuck around this far, now would be a great time to give away some more Candid orange-flavored cream. Big thanks to Candid. This week's show, we will do our Facebook page. I don't know. I'm really conflicted on social media, but it's needed in order to prosper nowadays. So if... Um, Got some background noise. I had to open the window. It's getting hot up here in Massachusetts. But if you guys uh, like to join the Facebook page, I will pick two lucky people from our Facebook, Kratom Guy Show Facebook page. So uh, go there, like the page, and we'll give away two lucky recipients some free orange flavored Kratom. Okay, without further ado, we got Paul Kemp coming up next. This week on the show, very excited about a very special guest. Paul Kemp is going to be on the show. Uh, Paul was actually the first board member chosen for the AKA, American Kratom Association, in 2014. He helped to grow the AKA and encourage consumers to support the organization as the most viable group to keep Kratom legal. Uh, Paul also runs Diabetes Symptoms Magic Blog, where he posts articles promoting natural products, herbal remedies, healthy eating, cannabis, CBD and Kratom, amongst other things. Paul says that he always had an interest in health and had been looking for something like Kratom to write about, seeing a need to, to build the conversation and consumer base uh, if we were going to avoid another disastrous prohibition, such as we've seen with the prohibition of cannabis. It was because of this writing about kratom that led him to join the AKA. Paul, thank you so much for coming on the show. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Mike.
0: Good to be here. Yeah, it's great. It's great to have you. I'm uh, so glad to be speaking to you. I've actually been following your work uh, for for a little bit on on Facebook and Twitter. Maybe we could start out uh, just kind of giving a brief background of who you are, what you do, and all all that. Why you do it.
1: Okay. Well, it's hard to give a brief background with, you know, I'm 71 now. (laughs) Uh, It's been a long life, but uh, I've done a lot of things. Uh, Did some college, two and a half years, and um, decided I wanted to learn about real life, get out in in the world and uh, see what was happening. And uh, I wanted to be a writer. And before, before that, I had an interest in political science and I've looked at a lot of careers, but writing has always been a thread through my life. Uh, done a lot of things. Uh, my father was a real estate broker and I took, I dipped a toe into the, that water at one point and, uh, had some rentals and, and managed them and, you know, it, it works, but I'm impatient. <laughs> uh, and you shouldn't be impatient. You should hang, hang with your properties. I wish I hadn't uh, decided to sell them all, but yeah. uh, from there I jumped into a, about a 10 year career in chamber of commerce building and uh, getting a rural community back to work. While they were fighting the whole thing, they wanted their mill to come back. This is Mm -hmm. the timber community in Oregon. And that's a long story, but um, (laughs) we succeeded in in making them a mountain bike capital because they had a beautiful, a lot of great trails and Uh uh, beautiful scenery. Kind of reminded me of Bavaria um big big trees and a lot of old growth. Is so, it so that was, that was in Oregon? Yes. It's okay. um, called Oak Oak Ridge. And uh they're doing better now. Uh they've got they've gotten used to tourism and retirement business. Uh, people moving there to retire. It's a nice quiet town kind of halfway up in the Cascade mountains with skiing nearby. Um so anyway, we, we looked at the potential and I learned about how you analyze strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. SWOT. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, economic development technique and assessing what a community had to offer. So anyway, uh, that's a little off of the topic, but it, it led me eventually to find this kratom issue and I was excited when I tried the product uh, a chiropractor introduced me to it and I had been writing online a little bit and uh, I got excited you know I thought here's something that definitely gives you a reaction you know there's so many herbs that you have to use your imagination to yep. feel like you're getting some benefit from, but kratom took me about two tries, but um, you know I just thought this this is great. But you're not stoned, you're not uh, disabled, you're sharper. It also cut my cravings for uh, sugars and alcohol. Those nice. were my nemesis for forty. 50 years I've totally lost interest in having a beer after work or at any time really because you know it just doesn't work for my body I'm not condemning it for anybody else but as I'm probably pre-diabetic okay uh, you know all those carbs just they're fine for about five minutes and then I either want to go to sleep or I want to drink a lot more and that's doesn't work. I just thought this is a great thing to write about. And I started writing. I've got a real grudge against the big pharma and the whole pharmaceutical theory of medicine mm-hmm. seems more like a business, make, a money making system. It's a business model rather than cur- it's, it's not directed toward our health. All right. And uh So anyway, it kind of destroyed my mother's life. I saw that uh, at an early age. So when I found a product like this, I just thought, this is a great thing. Because this is an herb that people can really respect. Unlike cannabis, uh, which, you know, some people love it. And a lot of people don't want it because it it, uh, makes them hard to You know, it makes you hard to function. It can. Some people handle it well. Some people don't. You know, a lot of people just want to be clear-headed and get on with their life and and especially have some pain relief. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's Kratom in a nutshell. And it's it's especially good for people as they age. There's a lot of back problems that come up and Sore knees and this and
0: that. Um, yeah, I, I gave uh, my mother-in-law some uh, red uh-huh. tea, loose leaf tea. I made her, and like it was only like a, a teaspoon or something, but it was during the winter. She came up to visit mm-hmm. from Florida, and it was like Good. within fifteen within fifteen minutes, she's like, "You cured my hand. My hand feels so much better." Wow. And,
1: yeah. yeah, I love those stories. I love them. Yeah, we do yeah, so, so much. So many people have been helped, and it's very rewarding.
0: Before we go too far, where can people find you? I know you have the Diabetes Symptoms Magic uh, blog. Mm-hmm. Is there is there anywhere else people can find you if they want to look you up?
1: Uh I'm on Facebook, Paul Kemp, Paul Kemp, I-I-I, which is in capital letters, it's the third. Okay. Paul Kemp III, but uh, it looks kind of funny in regular lowercase. But it, I'm on there, Paul Kemp, on Facebook. There's a lot of Paul Kemp's, but I'm Paul Kemp I. I, I. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a good way. I'm on Twitter right. as Help Seeker.
0: Help Seeker at Help Seeker. Help Seeker. Mm-hmm. Help Seeker. That- okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Nice. So, um, so yeah, do you want to go into a little bit about what you write about on your blog? And yeah, that's diabetes dash symptoms dash magic.
1: Yes. My blog is kind of frustrating. I gotten down to where I write about what I feel. Most of my audience is in the Kratom community and then about 23 or twenty. 27%, 25%, Seven percent 25%, let's say, of my audience is from all over the world. And mm-hmm. they basically just want, they probably have socialized medicine wherever they are. And they're probably on drugs for diabetes. And that's not what my site is about. My site is about natural ways to reverse diabetes or at least control it and, and improve your health. And that takes work, and a lot of people don't want to do that. Uh, I'm I'm kind of un, unhappy that I chose that topic, although i probably helped some people. I've heard from some people that have actually benefited from it. I know I have. Anyway, a lot of diabetics. One topic I got on that I saw a need for was diabetic-friendly energy drink. And I found a good one made by a company called Longevity, and uh I wrote about that. And I got a high ranking for that page, so I get a lot of hits from that. But, you know, they don't want to try it. Or if they do try it, I sent a few samples out to Tunisia and Germany, I think it was. And uh they didn't like the taste or some. To me, those are not the right (laughs) answers. You know, when you realize how bad diabetes gets late in life, where they start cutting off your feet or your, you know, other parts of your body because they're not getting blood flow, I would think people would be motivated to do something, to change, to do anything, to keep from having their legs cut off or or whatever. um, Yeah.
0: I would I would think so too, but I was talking about this the other day with my family. Uh, it's to me personally. I think if sugar was any other drug, uh, by government mm-hmm. standard, by government standard, yep. it would be schedule one. Yeah, there's, there's
1: they say it's highly, more addictive than cocaine.
0: Yeah, highly addictive, no medical use. Yep. Um, so I, I what when I was talking to them about and how i feel and then you have carbs that digest in the system and break down the same as sugar basically mm-hmm. and it's to me it's it's pretty apparent that it's an addiction that um yes people people don't realize that oh i need to eat better or do exercise but that they're actually mentally addicted to sugar and, and carbs
1: mm-hmm.
0: is is my personal feeling about it
1: No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I've been through it. I mean, I until I knew that there was something like Kratom, which seems to, by reading, I've read over and over, this one lonely study that is on the PubMed government website is peer-reviewed. I'm sure Big Pharma would like it taken down, but it's legit. It was done in Malaysia, I believe, and they've studied kratom for a long time because it grows there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, my reading of this one study says that it helps transport glucose into muscle cells. Well, huh. that's essentially the problem with type 2 diabetes is that uh, insulin isn't doing its job for whatever reason, either because that. Right. Dumbs up the receptors or there's a lot of theories on that, but, um, you know, this, it shows that kratom helps glucose get into the muscle cells, which is where it needs to be. And also, I guess the brain cells, Alzheimer's disease, for example, is now being called um, the third type of diabetes, diabetes type two. Which is the most common one. And type one is for, uh, used to be for kids, but now it can be anybody. But uh, type three would be Alzheimer's because the brain needs to be fed also. It needs access to the blood glucose. But uh, you're right. So interesting. Sugar is a bad thing and it's used in almost all foods. There's sugar in ketchup, there's sugar put into. Uh, tomato sauce yeah and if you read i've read up on foods in my studies to uh to write about these things the uh sugar's put there because it makes you want to eat more
0: right
1: and they may say it's for flavoring or to soften the bite of the tomatoes but uh it's in there because it, it makes you want to keep eating whatever it is.
0: Yeah, and if it's not sugar, it's some variation of right. It's, um, something uh, that's uh, yeah, high fructose corn syrup. Um, that's even, even worse. Yes. Yeah, even the the ones that are supposed to be like healthy, like acai berry, you know, and um, I forget the other one, but they're all uh, glucose, they're, they're all I forgot the word. Word I'm looking for. Oh, gly- glycemic. They all uh, right. increase the increase the the, the blood uh, blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that before we before we started, you were saying that your parents were were both diabetic, and that you think you're pre-diabetic. So I know you're talking about that study, but um, how do you think that um, like how do you use kratom to help? Uh, with a healthier lifestyle, or uh, combat your pre-diabetic state. Well,
1: I start the day with a, a vitamin mineral drink, and I put about a half teaspoon of uh, green mangda mm-hmm. in it, and stir it up, and do that first thing in the morning. That helps with my arthritis too, and helps to wake me up, and just. Get clear-headed after a good night's sleep. Then I do some writing. Typically, I have a cup of tea and some some other like uh, guarana type supplements. I probably shouldn't be drinking so much caffeine, but I I've done it all my life, so mm-hmm. uh, a hard hard one to quit. Really hard. Harder yeah, definitely. Much harder, caffeine. But, yeah, you think it. Um, so. Yeah, I do. I mean, you get headaches if you. If you're a coffee drinker, you get some pretty serious headaches for a while. You don't get yeah. that from Kratom. I don't. So uh, Yeah, I guess you're right. But, uh, you know, I just have a little bit of Kratom, no more than a half teaspoon for it's been six or seven years that I've taken it. And I'll do that mm, four, five, six times a day maybe and end, end the day with a red Kratom.
0: Right.
1: Uh, Helps to have a good night's sleep. Just early to bed, early to rise, and that works well. Both my grandmothers died from heart attacks, and they were obese. And this was back in the fifties. My parents were older. My parents were forty and forty-two when I was born. Okay. And uh, so. That was kind of unusual because everybody thought they were my grandparents. The other kids, you know, uh-huh. but uh, it was it was a good thing because they were, you know, stable and doing well in life. And, but then I I saw my grandmothers, and you know, there was just this sadness about them, and they were quite overweight, which was unusual at that. In, in those days, we didn't have high fructose corn syrup, syrup and everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, our food was a lot better quality. Right. But uh, it was sad to see they died when I was maybe 10 or 11. And um, so it seemed like I was always going to funerals of relatives. And so anyway, I just picked up the subconscious hit that diabetes was a bad thing to have. And I didn't want to get it. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be fat. And I kept my weight, you know, roughly what it was in high school when I graduated high school. So you know, I took to walk free to seven miles a day. Oh, wow. and, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Lift weights a little bit twice a week and bicycle quite a bit and a lot of that. Wow. You know, wow. got to stay active and i i just i picked up i think having older parents i picked up this long-term strategy for life that you know a discipline that goes with it even when i was addicted to sugars you know you can burn off a lot of these things that you know are bad for you if you get enough
0: exercise right yeah. uh yeah if you don't mind me asking you were you on medications, and are you still on medications? And I what, never had it. Uh,
1: no, never had it.
0: Okay.
1: I don't like doctors. <laughs> I, I never did. And I had an uncle that was a doctor, and I was urged strongly to become a doctor. And I took a look at it and started going down the path. I took the accelerated math, science, and uh, Latin. Took Latin for three years and. That was my hobby as a kid, even before I got to high school, uh, studying the ancient Romans and Greeks. So I got a lot of education and I've hung out with medical students along the way. And I've hung out with doctors and surgeons uh, when I, I, I put on bike tours for a while. That was a career that I started for a while, did for a few years. And I met some very, you know, high quality people. And a lot of doctors do that because they know it's healthy, mhm, so um, but I've never taken medication for diabetes. that's, well, yeah, congratulations
0: on that. That's awesome. How about your diet? Cause, uh yeah lots of people that are either listeners or my followers you know pe- people in the the same kratom circle or people that are seeking out kratom are usually doing it for some type of uh Pain or anxiety, or to come off of opiates, I know you know you said exercise, but diet's also a big part of it, so mm-hmm. yeah you said you quit sugar, maybe you know go into a little bit about you know, sure. your, your diet diet or favorite healthy dishes or desserts or anything like that,
1: okay ah well, back to when I was about nineteen, I was taken in i I met some people out in California. And, uh, met the son of these folks. And, you know, at the end of the summer, he was going back to New Hampshire. And, uh, I thought, well, I've got a Volkswagen bug. Let's drive back to New Hampshire and see what that's about. And his parents are Quakers and okay. they lived up in, uh, near Concord. They were vegetarians. And they were growing most of their own food. They were harvesting uh, apples and making apple. It, you know, they made everything. Apple cider to drink all winter. And uh, I was expected to work with them and help. And uh I did. And so I learned about vegetarian eating. And I did that, I think, straight for six years, maybe eight. So that... That got me going, uh, thinking about diet, and and that made it real simple to keep the weight off. Right. Uh, I I still would, you know, get a hold of a Cadbury bar, the big Cadbury bars, and eat the whole thing in one sitting. But, uh, you know, work hard, burn it off. I was in my 20s then, but vegetarian eating has been kind of a thread. I, I like it. Philosophically, in more recent years, I've taken eating a little bit of uh seafood, generally shrimp or or salmon, and also eat i eat eggs uh, three or four mm-hmm. eggs, because I don't have to kill anything for that so right. um yeah that's that's been a thread through my life but vegetables are real important fruit is my dessert uh i just i don't do well with sugar. You know, my memory goes out real quick. Really? Um, Yes. Yeah. And I mean, tiny traces of sugar, and then I'll be yawning and sleepy. So I avoid it as much as possible. And it's not easy, but I do basically all my own cooking.
0: You pretty much have to do all your own cooking if you want to eat healthy.
1: Yeah. Unless... You know, there's no Thai restaurants nearby. I have found that's one of the healthiest cuisines. Um, yeah. Chinese Chinese is pretty good.
0: Uh,
1: not
0: yeah. Good. Yeah, I say Chinese as long as it's not Americanized with the. Uh, yeah. yeah. I re- I really like the General Tso's chicken, and that's got uh-huh. a bunch of sugar. Bunch of sugar in that dish. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You got to pick and choose carefully, but um it does limit where i can
0: go and eat yeah so yeah when when people usually ask me about diet I, one of my first i i you know you can like get you know eat eat healthier but usually the first step i tell people is just to eliminate processed foods and yes that, that, that will yeah. for, force you force you to cook your own meals and really get healthier mm-hmm. so uh so you were writing to me that uh you were the the first board member on the aka
1: is that true? Yes. Yes.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: are, Susan, are you... Susan Ash asked me to join. That was her first pick. So she always makes a good deal about that. But, uh, yeah, it was an honor. And, yeah, we uh, we struggled. There was a lot going on, but it was exciting. They've come a long ways. Now they have a more professional board and uh, some really high – Caliber people, especially Mac Hallow. yeah, he
0: seems to be great,
1: yes, he is he is very well spoken and sharp mind and
0: so are you great are you, no, yeah, he is. Are you uh, no longer on the board? That's
1: correct, I'm not they really weren't they weren't using me as much as I thought they could, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so I wasn't contributing that much, so I just thought I've got things I wanna do and Uh, it's like they didn't want me to write so much about Kratom. Well, you know, yeah, I've got this website and this blog. And if I want to write about Kratom, that's what I want to write about. I thought, I don't know. I don't want to talk too much about them because it's just, um, I understand what they're trying to do. They want to be the voice of Kratom and You know, I just, I I feel that I can contribute to a lot of people that don't follow the AKA. There's a lot of people, perhaps not as many as there used to be, but there used to be a lot of uh, people that didn't like the AKA and were always sniping at their decisions and, and believing all these uh, conspiracy theories about them. But uh, I tried to dispel that and, and just say, you know, they're they're ordinary people, and they're, this is what they're doing. Tried to bridge the gap, but somehow wasn't wasn't good enough. We parted ways uh, amicably about a year and a half ago.
0: Okay. Yeah, we, we don't have to talk about them too much. Uh, I said, yeah, sorry. Right. My other question was about kind of those conspiracy theories about people saying that they're blocking out other advocacy groups and stuff like that. But if you don't want to get into it, that's cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I shouldn't. Okay. Uh, they can speak for themselves, and uh, <laughs> you know, I think what I said to you in my my notes is that they're the best shot. I mean, we we look. I've looked at the whole field and all the people that are trying to advocate for it, and it's no good to duplicate your efforts. Mm-hmm. You know, the people think, well, I'll start my own group. Well, can you raise millions? I don't know what they raise a year now, but over a million dollars.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And, uh, you know, the average little group doesn't have a chance. They need, and to to hire the caliber of people, they've got their executive director, a very capable guy, and works very hard and very skilled at many things. And uh, stuff I wouldn't want to do. I mean, I'm not a a techie, but. Mm. They've got the skills. They have the people behind them. They have the funding. So let them do their thing. And, you know, trying to re reinvent the wheel is what I want to say uh, is not profitable.
0: So right.
1: uh, they're doing a good job.
0: Yeah, I think they're doing a really good job. Yeah, I, I just think other people... Need to also get involved if there's something, especially if there's something local happening in their area. True. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Support the Absolutely. AKA, but also show up yourself too. Oh yeah. Um, I noticed you have a recent article called "The Deeper Lessons Kratom Could Be Teaching." Us. In that article, from what I got from it, is basically you go into how keeping the the public on pharmaceuticals is basically a form of government control, and mm-hmm. that. Even with millions of Kratom consumers, the government still says that Kratom has no value, uh, no medical value, and don't take it. That they, you know, we're seeing this even in Mississippi where that task force that was going around county to county oh, banning, yeah. Kratom, banning Kratom, the guy who's a retired surgeon, he said that, oh, if you're having pain, you should just take Tylenol. And, you know, <laughs> you, you You mentioned in in this article that basically a lot of these medications, like methadone, Suboxone, are Mm -hmm. have been proven far more dangerous. Yeah. Um, So yeah, do you want to kind of go into a little bit about what that article uh, meant to you and you know why you posted it? Sure.
1: Should pull it up in front of me, but uh, (laughs) that could be hard to do. Uh, Yeah, I was trying to say a lot of things. You know we've been dumbed, dumbed down by everything from the fluoride they put in the water um uh, which is a drug and it's uh reduces thyroid function among other things our food our food is garbage compared to what it was in the fifties, you know which were cooked from scratch, and you know we in so many ways people are losing touch with their inner power, their spirits and uh, ability to do things and make decisions on their own. And now they go to the doctor, and if the doctor is selling for the pharmaceutical industry, uh, like this HPV vaccine, uh, now they're giving it to boys and girls and i just watched a testimony this morning of a girl that is lost she went without having a period for seven months and the doctors are all trying to say oh but it's not the vaccine we gave you they even try to make her think she's she's depressed and she needs medication and it's really sad when you see this over and over um they're just pushing these vaccines on people uh, I've got an injury in a shoulder where I, because of a job I was trying to hold uh, as a car salesman, I accepted a flu shot. And that shoulder has been hurting ever since. Whoa. And it's it gotten worse. And that was in 1998. So, And I got the flu anyway. <laughs> and I hadn't had the flu in like seven years. So I'm not a believer in, in their garbage they're just selling stuff, and they're now they're trying to force people to take them. And uh yeah. you know, some people don't get these symptom symptoms, and but those that do, it can be devastating. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I just want people to wake up and stop being cattle, being treated like cattle. That was the deeper, deeper thing in that article. Is that uh, we have the power my body wants to heal itself it has an immune system built in that is so much more complicated complex as far as recognizing the dangers recognizing one vac- or one virus or one bacteria from another and appropriately addressing it like i had measles when i was a kid everybody in our neighborhood had measles it was no big right. thing and now they're talking like, "Oh, it's deadly, well, it's deadly if you're raised on pop tarts and uh, <laughs> bang, you know if you don't eat real food, I tried to get into that with that article, and a couple of people liked it. Funny, if I don't write about the latest threat to kratom accessibility, most people aren't interested,
0: huh,
1: which is a shame because. There's a lot more to health than Kratom. Kratom is not the end-all, be-all. And yeah, a lot definitely. of people don't want to hear that. They think I'm selling something. I'm just trying to tell them something I've found in 60-plus years of looking about how to stay healthy and stay out of doctor's offices.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the goal with the show, too. You know, I really started talking Good. just to, just about Kratom and then just recently started really branching out into Basically, just overall health and and wellness and natural remedies. Yeah, it was like it. it it's interesting. you were talking about how the Suboxone can be Suboxone and methadone can actually be more dangerous. Because um, I used to be on Suboxone, um, huh. and I I used kratom to come off of uh, buprenorphine after I was on Suboxone. Uh-huh. And actually, looking into that, like not only. Did I not realize the negative effects it was giving me, the side effects until I got off of the medication and kind of the fog mm-hmm. lifted, but that the deaths and injuries from Kratom and I mean from uh, Suboxone and Methadone are yeah. rarely, ra- rarely reported. Huh. just is yeah. It's really interesting, but yeah, the, the side yeah. effects are are huge on this.
1: Well, I've heard both of those are harder to get off than uh, heroin. I've heard yeah, that from was, people that have gotten off heroin and, and other heavy opioids. And methadone is a really tough one to get off.
0: Yeah, li- liquid uh, handcuffs—they call.
1: Ah. Yeah, good name for them. Passionate about that too.
0: So yeah, I mean, it's I noticed it with kratom, but also cannabis. Like you were saying, a lot of people just want to feel better mm-hmm. without really without really getting a high. You know, they want to be clear-headed, and right. it takes a level it takes a level of education that I think people uh, don't really commit themselves to because you know, if you were to do CBD, it's not intoxicating. Mm -hmm. But if if you were to take cannabis correctly and say, you know, a very high sativa strain, that's more for daytime energy and focus Mm -hmm. versus like an indica, which is more nighttime. Are you using CBD in your in your regimen or any cannabis?
1: Yeah, I I like to have CBD every night.
0: And how how are you taking it?
1: Uh, Any way I can get it. Yeah. Currently, currently I uh, nibble on bud. I just have like a a bong hit size piece of a bud. And
0: And, you just uh, eat it?
1: Yeah, that's one way to do it. Uh, The oils are nice, and I've had fancy preparations with zero THC, and they're very good, but they're expensive. Mm. Somebody gave me. I get a lot of samples from people. That's one benefit of being involved in this community. Currently, I was given some fresh grown in Oregon Buds, it's very good, you know, because it takes a nice. little bit. Yeah. So that's,
0: that's another great product. Is uh, CBD Buds? Yes. CBD. Yeah. I was actually talking to my medical marijuana doctor the other day um, ah. and saying, saying that I noticed if I was taking certain kratom strains and different cannabis oil together during the day that I was finding it hard to, like if it's manual labor, I'm fine. But if I'm sitting in front of a computer doing web building or something like that, I find it hard to focus. And mm. she was showing me, she's like, you know, it's important that if you are using it, that you, you can break it up. And the way you were taking it, just eating it, that would be CBD A. And mm. then when you heat it, when you heat it up, it decarboxylates and it turns it into CBD. And that's the same thing with THC. If you took a THC bud and just ate it, you'd just get THCA, which is uh, non-intoxicating as well. You might find if you heat up the CBD, you can even throw it in like some tea with a little uh, coconut oil or something. Mm -hmm. It might might hit you a little bit differently.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I tried to get away from the, the heavy hit that you get from smoking cannabis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been so long since I've smoked it, and it just it knocks me back i I just want to sit around and listen to reggae music under the <laughs> tree or you know i and I've got things to do, so I'm not right. in that stage of my life at this point now. I've heard the Jamaican people have been using like a tea made out of buds, and mm-hmm. that's that's their their way and and you get a totally different hit. I can eat you know, a cannabis bud, full strength with THC uh, in moderation, tiny, you know, a bong head size, Mm -hmm. and not get whacked out like I would if I had smoked the same amount.
3: So uh,
1: I'm not looking to get high. I've been high, you know, and I I know where it's at, and I don't need to go there, you know, to, to get there anymore. I, I like avoiding that. But that's interesting, the uh T H C A and C B D A I heard of a new component, I think it's T H C V
0: Oh yeah, yeah I've heard of
1: this that's very good for anti diabetes.
0: Yeah, food. I think there's like <laughs> over over a hundred different uh hundred and thirty different cannabinoids, I think. Oh really? But you heard that this T H C V is good for good for diabetes?
1: I think that's That was the connection. I took note of it. Uh, There was something about it I liked a lot. I'd have to look Mm. at my notes. Fascinating plant.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, very very good uh, for anti-cancer, too. Hmm. Um, Maybe that was the – well, that's certainly –
1: yeah, I've heard that. Uh, Rick Simpson oil. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been a medicine since the ancient Chinese – you know, 5,000 or 10,000 years. And why is it in Schedule One? You know, do they want to keep us sick? Why did they try to ban Kratom? Kratom, yeah, it- do you want. Instead, they want you on methadone, which can kill you. I've heard um,
0: Dave
1: Herman of the AKA say that there's like 4,500 deaths from methadone a year.
0: Yeah, I was, I was trying to look for it, and like, like I was mentioning earlier, that it's not really reported. I mean, I, I found. No, I'm sure. Uh, it's yeah, I mean, I found in this one study, I think it was um, in Tennessee. It was twenty fourteen or twenty sixteen there was something like mm-hmm. sixteen sixteen overdoses from Suboxone. Um, wow. Which yeah.
1: I didn't know that was, that was that toxic.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty bad. Yeah. People can die from pretty it. Strong. Uh and then also with Suboxone, which I didn't really I didn't really get into healthy eating and natural remedies and stuff until I started really looking at what Suboxone was doing to me. Suboxone's got some type of artificial sugar. I don't know if it's aspartame or something like it. Mm-hmm. Um and it's got artificial flavoring too. This lemon lime oh. oh. stuff is just terrible. It was always pretty interesting to me that it, it sounds like, like it's not some big secret, you know, that you're it seems like your your health health secrets are uh healthy eating and exercise. But it always surprised me that how Doctors don't have any really any background or any education on nutrition.
1: No, well, that's not what they're supposed to be selling. And that's it. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a hot issue for me because I think the whole thing is directed by the pharmaceutical industry. They determine what the course of study is going to be, they determine the protocol of how you shall treat if you're going to be an MD. Uh, and if you don't do it, they can take your license or make your life miserable. And they bribe the, you know, send them to Hawaii to speak and all these, uh, perks that they get if they're nice and follow the official protocols. It's very regimented. I'm glad I didn't choose to become a doctor. Very glad. And I've outlived the one guy in my, my advanced courses in high school. He uh, croaked about five years ago. It may have been suicide. I don't know. He was successful. He had been a healthy, you know, good-looking Greek kid in high school, very popular. And uh, I saw that I saw a picture of him, and at 66 or so, he was quite pudgy, quite he gained quite a bit of weight, and uh, he was, you know, he d- died at about 66. So, uh, yeah, they don't tend to live as long as we do. They do get worked very hard. And uh, during their internships or their, what do they call it? uh, Well, they they spend a period where they're up like 24 hours at a stretch sometimes. Yeah, their residency? Residency. Thank you. They shouldn't be teaching us about health because, like you point out, they know nothing about diet. And that's like, we're supposed to think, oh, we aren't supposed to think about our diet. We aren't supposed to notice. And they they always gloss over, oh, you know, eat three major types of foods or eat a broad selection. Well, most of it's junk. If it's processed, it's full of chemicals. It's full of stuff that doesn't belong. It's probably got sugars in it. You know, I've studied food. I've read a number of books on food, food incorporated, you know, it's, it's sad what they have done to it. And doctors yeah. know nothing about that because they're supposed to be selling the idea that, you know, we'll re, rewire your genetics. They're, they're trying to work toward that. They're trying to get people on every drug they can think of. And that's not what's causing it. That doesn't address the cause. They just play with the symptoms, which are infinite in number. I saw that with my mother. Well try this medication. And her daughter her doctor meant well. He was in our church and made house calls and all that, but they didn't know what she had. I think she had fibromyalgia personally. Mm-hmm. And she could have benefited tremendously, as many people do now from Kratom or cannabis. I did offer her cannabis but <laughs> there was no way she would try pot.
0: Yeah, the stigma especially back then just so yes. So bad for we into this.
1: Yeah, it's sad the way that doctors are taught. and They're the one place that they could be looking. Of course, there's no money in that. They're not selling food if they could get healthy food. But they need to be telling people what the real problems are coming from. And so much of it's diet and lack of exercise.
0: I I wonder, too, how much – because I forget the name of the documentary, but it was on Netflix recently where a healthy guy that was eating – kind of uh keto diet Mo- a lot of fruits mm-hmm. and veggies went on a traditional diet that was all these health foods that are uh, all these junk foods that were massive health foods basically within the 30 days that he went on this diet that was, he was get, i forget how many i think he was getting like 40 grams of hidden sugar every day mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. But it was through like juice and granola bars and stuff like that yeah um, I I yeah so I I, I, no they don't and uh no. he got He got. They said he got fatty liver disease and was pre-diabetic. Pre-diabetic within 30 days. And I wonder how many of these studies that are coming out trying to demonize kratom as either bad for the liver or kidneys. You know, I wonder what what these people are eating for their diets, what other medications they're on, what uh, pre pre pre-existing health conditions they have. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't doesn't make sense to me.
1: No, no, and they may be just outliers. They may be uh, the rare person that can't, their liver can't process kratom. They found mm-hmm. like four or five cases like that. and But they make a big deal out of those one, you know, that handful of cases. And the guy is fine once he stops taking kratom because just he has a genetic anomaly that doesn't allow his liver to process kratom. And he finds that out after two weeks of using it. Well, Maybe they need a genetic test so that you can know beforehand. But uh, they heal up, and uh, once they stop cr- taking kratom, they just shouldn't be ever take kratom. Uh, right. But it doesn't. They shouldn't extrapolate and and make everybody think they're at risk of having this happen. I've uh, had no yeah, problems for seven years.
0: No, yeah, me neither. And I plan on going soon i'm gonna air the results of uh mm-hmm. gonna get a liver function and kidney function test um good just yeah. see how i do yeah. so you have your blog and you're part of the aka you know a lot of people kind of sit on the sidelines but if you could if somebody were to ask you you know what can i do to get involved what would what, what would you tell
1: them well follow your your local city you might look into Getting notices of what's on the agenda for your local city council. See what they're talking about. And if Kratom ever comes up, get down there and, you know, go to, go to your council meeting and speak up. Mm-hmm. Uh, also alert the AKA, let them know the AKA basically can get involved on the state level, but that's a fairly efficient use of their time and they're set up for that, but they can't find every little city council that's thinking about it. And that's right. the new strategy is where the FDA is going around talking to these little podunk chambers that are cities that have never had a problem with Kratom. They don't even know what it is. And the FDA comes in and talks to either the police department or the local sheriff's groups and uh, convinces them that they ne- need to nip this problem in the bud. Now, people need education more than they need regulation. They need to learn how to use these things intelligently and not just this is not like beer where, you know, the more you drink, the better you feel and then you feel terrible. And that's the American way. We need to re relearn how to use herbs intelligently and not It's not all about getting high or getting disabled. It's about getting more intelligent. Right. Yeah. You know, that's the main thing. Just keep your eyes and ears open for any talk, Uh, local TV shows that come up and say, you know, there's this terrible new drug being sold in local stores and gas stations and, you know, it's bad and. That's a sign that they're starting. Somebody's agitating, and usually it's uh, recovery offices or recovery groups that are trying to uh, ban kratom because it's interfering with their business. Yeah. Just keep yeah. eyes and ears open.
0: Pretty sure you would agree, but uh, my personal feeling is that CDC and FDA are pretty much long arms of big pharma at this point mm-hmm. yep. um, but if you had somebody in front of you from the fda what would you say to them
1: well i don't think there's much sense in talking to them because they're basically doing a job and that's why they keep coming back we we keep rebutting their arguments we keep saying these studies that you put out with 44 deaths most of these people are on heroin or fentanyl and we know how strong those are and and that they kill people. And you're saying kratom has any effect on somebody like that that's taken a cocktail of seven or eight, nine, 10 substances. That's Mm -hmm. absurd. So, you know, I don't think it's worth talking to those people. They are hatchet men for big pharma. And uh, because this is a big wedge, I'm not sure if I should even say this, but I, I think they know that this this is why I want to be behind this. I mean, this is not all of what I'm about, but we I'd like to see a, Americans be healthy again and not be all chubby. And, uh, you know, so much of older people's time, my friends that are in their 70s, they're always going to the doctor trying to get something fixed and waiting around and driving Fifty, sixty, ninety miles to to doctors. So talking to the FDA is is useless. They're like automatons,
0: <laughs> you know.
1: They're bots. They're robots. Yeah. But the average person needs to understand this is something that that can help them. There's many herbs that can help them, but kratom's a good start in getting them away from all these drugs with the side effects and, and let them do it with the natural substance, you've got to, you know, pick your sources of kratom intelligently and not buy it in gas stations or smoke shops generally. Right. It's a helpful tool. And I think we could, we could do a lot to change America's health by having more people using this and have it, you know, let's stop wasting money trying to ban it by people that, The FDA hasn't even seriously looked at it to see all the benefits.
0: Right. They've never Uh, thought
1: that's for all the people we've helped save from opioids.
0: Yeah, really. Makes me think if they actually do start looking at it, well, it could already be. Um, You know, it's just a theory, but that this whole thing is to move towards uh, synthetic isolates of kratom alkaloids, basically just pills of the different mitragyne and 7-hydroxy? Well, they've
1: they've had since – they had a patent the year I graduated from high school, 1966, and they did nothing with it. We're not sure why they didn't. But they've had plenty of time, and they're working on it more now. But, you know, I think the herb is just fine. You have to pick and choose wisely, and I think there's improvements that can be made – you know, in the way it's handled and obviously it's got to be clean and sanitary and, and I, I know the, some of the Indonesians are working on that very closely and they did a generally good job. I've never gotten salmonella, I've gotten salmonella in a restaurant, <laughs> but, uh, so I know what it's like. Uh, but I've never gotten anything like that. Never gotten sick from kratom. Unless yeah, I, me neither. I've only too much.
0: Yeah, I was going to yep. say the most that's ever happened to me was um, constipation and nausea.
1: Yeah, the constipation can be easily avoided with, um, I use magnesium citrate. Mm-hmm. Take a teaspoon of that before bed and it's, most people are deficient in magnesium. It's very good for a lot of things like 600 functions of the body depend on magnesium, and if you're short of it, something's not going to work right. I believe in supplementation. Right. Yeah, constipation not a good thing, but uh, it's minor compared to the
0: opioid that FDA is pushing. Yeah, the whole list of side effects is, is minor compared to the side effects of opiates. Uh, that's mm-hmm. death. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's about all the time we have today. Okay. Uh, Paul, it was so great to have you on. Uh, anything else you want to mention or cover before we go?
1: Not really. I really. <laughs> I get to wandering on, on these things. It's, it's been a good conversation. I hope it comes across well to people. You know, being healthy is great. It takes work. And, uh I just like to see more people be healthy. And if, I think Kratom can be a good start to get people on the road to health, but it's not the final desti- destination. Not that it can't be used for life, but, uh, anyway, glad for yeah. your interest and I'm, uh, yeah, flattered to be asked to be on your show.
0: Oh, thanks a lot, Paul. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people will hopefully get a lot of great uh, value out of this, especially knowing that, you know, you can be in your 70s and be fit and healthy um, mm-hmm. and, and and take herbal supplements and live a happy, healthy life. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's great. It's great to talk to you, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Great. Okay. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Thank you, Mike. Bye. Have a good yeah, one. Bye. So, that about does it for this week's show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in really appreciate you guys um big thanks to paul kemp for for the interview had a great chat with him big thanks to mac Haddow. also had a great chat with him next show we got chris redding he was the one that helped uh, look at the original 44 deaths from the fda and actually told nick wing about the gunshot went to the chest and also analyzed the uh during the dea public comment period all the public comments are coming in. So, get to, uh, it was a great take from him and, um, you know, someone like that, retired army captain. It's great to have someone like that on our side. So, also, big thanks to Candid Orange Flavor Creative for making this episode possible. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, everyone at the Candid, the Candid Crew. Really appreciate you guys. And don't forget about this week's giveaway on our Facebook page. So all you have to do is like the Facebook page and we pick in two people from from the list over there. So a great way to support the show, you can always become a Patreon and get a- insider videos and unpublished unpublished and bonus scenes. But also check out Mass Herbal Market. MassHerbalMarket.com That's our online store for amazing kratom. We got the Uh, magnum opus salve and extracts so that's always really good Uh, check out our new youtube channel and always give me a call 617-917-5242 love to chat kratom with you and until next time folks together we'll keep kratom legal safe and available for all peace